Welcome back to the Pursuit of Property podcast. Today, it's just me and my co-host, Scott Farrow, sitting in the studio. Scott, how you doing, my friend? The studio. The studio. The studio. I'm good. Uh, We're talking about another book today. It's been a little while since we went over another book. The big reason why is this book was pretty pretty dense. You know, there was a lot of information to cover. And this is going to be one that I think anybody who's listening to the episode, if you find it at all interesting, you need to go actually read the book because uh, it was like a user manual almost of sorts. Exactly. This was one where I feel like the the only episode to date for a book review where we really had to condense a lot of information into something we could talk about in 45 minutes to an hour. I think you hit the nail on the head where it's almost like a manual uh, of sorts. So if you guys get any value from today's episode, anything piques your interest, we would highly recommend going and picking up the book. Absolutely. Well, let's dive into it. You want to announce which book we're going after? Absolutely. So today we are going to be talking about Traction by Gino Wickman. And Traction is actually the sister or the follow-up book to another book we have already talked about. Probably one of the most influential books either you or I have read and that we recommend to a lot of people, which is Rocket Fuel. So Rocket Fuel, obviously a book that breaks down, you know, kind of what person you are, where you fit in in business, your strengths, your weaknesses, right? Traction takes this a step further to really give you that kind of that blueprint on how to run and succeed in your business while using your strengths that you found in Rocket Fuel. For sure. Um, The big value of this book was, like I said, it's more of an operating manual. One of the things that we've talked about a few times recently on the podcast is that we try to give like explicit information on how to get to the next step, not this big overall overarching view. This book has been really good because it actually gave you the step-by-step task on this is how you pick a person. This is how you solve a problem. This is how you find leverage. These are the questions you ask. So definitely played a really good part in the book series of adding specific value. Yeah. We hear people complain all the time, right? Of, you know, that people wanting literally step-by-step how to follow what to do. This book gives you exactly that, right? So let's jump into it. The first thing and kind of the center of this book, it focuses on something called an EOS. And EOS stands for an Entrepreneurial Operating System. And I'm going to go ahead and read the book's definition here. It is a proven set of simple, practical tools that synchronizes how people in an organization meet, solve problems, plan, prioritize, follow processes, communicate, measure, structure, clarify roles, lead, and manage. So that's a lot to unpack right there. Yeah. Let's talk about it a little more. So basically the all-in-one system on how to run your business in all of its aspects essentially. Yeah. And what we're going to break down are going to be parts of the EOS. So in the book, he references it a lot, but essentially it's an operating system. And what does an operating system do for a computer or anything like that? It helps delegate the tasks and manages it and keeps it in an organized fashion. So the whole idea here is that the EOS is going to develop your company in a way that is documented and removes any of the headache, heart in, you know, heartache, headache, uh, whatever kind of issues you're dealing with within your business by giving you a set of rules and a set of things to follow. 
Yeah, and it's important to note without, you know, think of a computer without an operating system, it, it doesn't function, right? So just like a business without, you know, an EOS or an operating system or a plan of action, uh, your business is going to experience a lot of different issues, you know, especially frustration on your side, you know, lack of control, you know, not bringing in enough money or not making enough money at the end of the day and profit, you know, frustrations with your team, a, a whole host of issues that an EOS is supposed to prevent. Yeah, well, let's jump into it. Um, this episode's going to be a little bit different than some of the previous book episodes. We're not going to be able to break down everything from this book. So we're going to go over the high level of kind of what was talked about. But in order to get some of the real step-by-step -step information, you're going to actually need to listen to the book and get that value directly. So we're going to start with the vision. A company without a vision is pretty much a wandering company. You're not going to get where you want to go if you don't know where you want to go. So the vision uh, is the first step of the EOS, and it's defined by eight questions. Um, we're going to go through each one. The most important, according to the author, is what are your core values? So let's talk about that first. Core values are usually left to be with huge businesses, right? And they they go through and only huge companies have core values. You know, Keller Williams, they have their core values. Well, that's a billion dollar company, whatever. He makes the argument that even if you're a small company, establishing what your core values are helps guide who you hire and how your company functions. The key here is that he talks about only pick three to five or three to seven core values. Don't go out of hand, you know, or overboard. You gotta make sure if yours is gonna be, um, honesty, uh, loyalty, family, whatever, like you can't go and then also add, you know, all these extra little side pieces. It has to just be the three to seven core values. Yeah. I think you made an important point that, you know, we see all these core values, like it, you'll see it on Apple's website. You'll see it on commercials for all these big companies, but being able to define your core values as a solopreneur or even a small business owner, it's still going to be integral to how you're carrying yourself in your day-to-day -day operations in your business, you know, why you are doing what you're doing. So setting those three to seven core values that, you know, why you're doing what you're doing and how your business operates is going to be key. Right. And on top of that, when you go to expand, you're going to know what type of person you're looking for and the type of people that you are looking for are going to know who you are. So definitely get started now. Absolutely. So we talked about core values. Next question you've got to ask yourself is, as opposed to core values, what's really your company's core focus, right? Because we talk about this all the time in our space, the real estate space. If you are trying to juggle all these different things and you are not honing in and starting very hyper specific and you're finding yourself trying to do this, trying to do this, trying to do this, it's going to be very difficult and very frustrating for you. So being able to define those core focuses for your business, whatever aspect you're in, you know, it, it helps capture your company's purpose and, and helps you hone in on what you need to be doing. Yeah. And it helps guard against and safeguard against shiny object syndrome, where in real estate, it's very easy. You might get into real estate sales and then see that lending looks like something that you want to get in. Then you're in lending and you think to yourself, insurance is where I want to be. Or then insurance takes you to escrow or escrow takes you to investing. So it helps 
define what your company is doing. And, and it also clearly outlines what niche of your business you are in. For us, we are in the investing world, but we also sell real estate. So that also is a part of it. Absolutely. And, you know, your core focus is really lean into hard some of these, you know, these next three questions that kind of go hand in hand when talking about your vision is a lot of people don't like talking about long-term goals. Uh, a lot of people really like focusing on shorter-term goals, maybe a, a yearly goal or even daily or, or monthly goals. What Traction talks about is really defining what your 10-year target is, kind of, kind of that low-range goal, right? So as opposed to just looking only in the short-term or, or semi-short-term, also looking really far ahead, like what it, and it all cult falls back into your core values and your core focus. Where is this going to be in 10 years, right? But also thinking about what your three-year picture is and also your one-year plan. We've talked, we really talked about uh, our one-year plan and the importance of business planning a few, more than a few episodes back, but really defining your one-year, three-year, and 10-year plans for your business. Yeah. The interesting thing is that when we were talking about that is that the 10 year is obviously going to be the final goal, right? But really he talks about shooting for your three year and then the one year is just an implementation source. So your team should always be looking at, and in this case, if you're a solopreneur, you should be looking at your three year mark and saying, how can I get closer to that mark this year? And then at the end of the year, you have to redo your three year mark and then you have to redo your three year mark the next year. So you're only using your one-year mark as just a goal to hit your three-year. So, And then there's always that saying that humans overestimate what they can do in one year and underestimate what they can do in 10. Well, he was talking about when you're doing your 10-year goal, set it so outlandishly large that you think that you can't hit it because likely that's still too small. If you were to look back even in our careers when we started four years ago or three years ago, we would probably have suspected this is 10 years of work to get where we're at now, but we're already here in three or four years. So what are we going to do in the next 10 years? So especially as a business owner, you need to be thinking, what's that 10 year goal? And then each year you're looking, how can I get closer to the three year vision that is constantly three years ahead of me? Yeah. And you know, we could do a whole episode or, or even bring on some really great guests to talk about the importance of goal setting more in depth you know, we, we hear a lot of people who, you know, kind of throw that around nonchalantly. Well, goals, bleh, I, I don't really need to set a goal for this year. I, I'm just going to do what I can and, and, and kind of wing it. Right. But I really think it's important for people to know, realize and implement that setting and implementing those goals is going to be a game changer for your business. Somebody, I, I guarantee you two people of the same skill set. Uh, same resources, same everything. The person who who goal sets and does steps on implementation to achieve those goals and tracks it and tracks it as opposed to the other person with the same skills and, and going in with the same things who wings it and does not goal set. They are going to be significantly behind and less successful than the person who's goal setting. Yeah. So let's then jump in. Yep. You've established what you want to hit. Well, the way that you hit goals in business is through marketing and implementing. So after you've established what your focus and niche is, the next question in your eight questions is, uh, what is your marketing strategy? So who are you marketing to? How are you marketing to them? And I believe it's also, uh, what are your uniques? Yeah, um, what, what value are you providing? 
right? right? Like what exactly makes you different than the competition? And in, in any business, that's key. Like if you're providing the same service as somebody else, why would somebody work with you and not them? You can't rely on your personality. You can't rely on any of that. You need to have something unique and something that could be unique is just your core values. You might just be a better business person. You might provide the same service, but who knows? Um, and then finally, once you've gotten through your annual three-year and 10-year, you also have quarterly rocks, which we're going to talk about at the end of the podcast, but the quarterly rocks are going to also uh, delineate the year into four different segments. And so each three months, you have an opportunity to reset the scoreboard. And if you were doing well, now you have to rebuild that up again. Or if you were behind, now you have an opportunity to get caught back up and get back ahead of the game. Exactly. Just like people have daily to-do lists or daily checklists, right? When you're starting your day, you know, you need to get X, Y, and Z done today for your business, right? Being able to break down those annual three-year tenure um, into, you know, these quarterly, you know, what do they call them? Quarterly rocks, right? Is going to be key. It's just like a daily checklist, but kind of a quarterly checklist. What new avenue of marketing are you needing to implement in the next quarter so that the next three quarters you're seeing growth in your business would, would be an example. Right. Right. And then the last thing when talking about your vision and, and what you've got to think about is thinking about what are your issues, right? What, what list of issues are you already experiencing? What issues can pop up when you're trying to hit these quarterly rocks and your annual goals, right? And then what can you do to, help stop those from happening and, and preventing you from reaching your goal. Yeah. And, and some of it is predictive and some of it is reactive. So what have you already been struggling with? What might we be struggling with in the upcoming year? Um, things of that sort. So that's really, that's the first step for the EOS is defining your vision through those eight questions. If you haven't done that already, you should probably actually just go and spend some time this week soul searching on what is the answer to those you know, eight questions. They recommend that you do it with your leadership team um, almost on a yearly basis. And you need to make sure that everybody's on the same page in order to keep everybody's um, dedication as high as possible. Yeah, you made a great point. And, and I'll say this really quick before we hop into our, our next thing is, you know, without implementing all of and asking yourself all of these questions that go into your vision, it, it, it'd be like a boat without a captain, right? Or, or someone behind the wheel guiding the ship, right? If there's nobody there, it's going to go all over the place. And when you're going all over the place and you're not set on those goals, getting to your destination, one, you, it's going to take you a lot longer and you're going to have a whole host of issues. It's just not the way you should be running your business without defining your vision by asking yourself these questions. Right. So the next step is people getting the right people in the right spots. So, uh, the key here it goes right back to the vision is core, uh, core values. Everybody that you hire needs to have the same core values or there's going to be too much clashing and people aren't going to buy in. Right? So that's the first set. And then two, using the people analyzer and the people analyzer is a tool that he talks through. This is why you need to read the book. He goes through every step of how you identify the right people. And that comes from the, correct me if I'm wrong, the capacity to do it the interest in it, and the, there's one more. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but those, there were three handful sets. of things that go into 
So if they meet the ability to, the interest in it, and the necessity for the business, it might be, plus they have the same core values, then that's the right person for that seat. You can't get to that decision without going through your vision. So this is a step-by-step process that we're walking you through here. Yeah, and for those of you out there who are newer entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, right? Thinking thinking about this can be difficult, right? Because you may be the only person in your business. And that's how it, it starts for almost everybody, right? You are wearing all the different hats in your business. You are doing all the things you hate doing. You're doing the things you love doing. So thinking about people can, can be difficult, right? But the next logical step after you've put in the work as a solopreneur and, and, and you're looking to grow your business, grow your team, you will need to, at a point, start thinking about people and thinking and knowing this stuff earlier rather than later. You know, after you've hired somebody and it's the wrong person, this can save you a whole bunch of money, time, resources, and stress just thinking about this a little early. Yeah. I mean, and you make a good point. If you're a solopreneur, like I was a solopreneur for three years or two years. And it wasn't until I had gotten a lot of experience that I had the willingness to take the leap of faith to hire people. So I outsourced my marketing. I brought on a full team of marketers. And then I outsourced my lead management. And those two things literally doubled my business in six months. So here I am now. We're in an economic recession. We're going downhill as an economy. My business is going the opposite way. So here I am looking to hire another person. So the key here is when you're a solopreneur, start thinking about how you can delegate and elevate above the position that you're in. For example, I am not good at accounting and I know that. I don't like it. I don't have the capacity for it. And honestly, I could probably hire somebody better than me for a lot cheaper than my time. So what am I doing? Hiring that person. And what that person's going to do is alleviate all that time and stress that I had into the business. And it's going to give me the opportunity to do what I love, which is closing deals and finding new business and running stuff like this podcast, right? So that's all key. And if you're a solopreneur, it's hard to think about it because it's scary, but start writing down the things that you like to do and you don't like to do. Then writing down what you are good at and what you're not good at. And then things that you love to do and what you don't love to do. That's why it's so important that those of you who have not listened to our podcast on Rocket Fuel or have not gone and read the book on Rocket Fuel, that is literally another guide to figuring out, figuring out who you are and what you're good at in, in your business and the type of person you are. Being able to help you understand what you should be delegating in order to elevate, right? Um, the, the things, and, and you hit the nail on the head, the things you like doing and are good at doing, the things you hate doing, but you still got to do because you're wearing all the hats in your business and, and you've got to suck it up and do it, right? But being able to think about all of this stuff now, reading Rocket Fuel first, following it up with traction is going to help with all of this stuff. Right. And you have some good examples, too, of where you've been better at things than I have. And you've hired different people than I have, you know, and so our businesses are even slightly different because our personalities are different. Yeah. So, it, well, and that's the whole reason that you and I own multiple properties out of state together, because it, it makes sense from a business perspective. You are good at things that I'm not necessarily very good at doing and vice versa. I've got a skill set that maybe you don't have at the same level. hundred percent. I do. Right. And that's why the business partnership makes sense and why 
why we reiterated and, and really pushed heavily in the rocket fuel episode as a little side note is before you get in into official business with anybody, I mean, everybody loves to, you know, get a business partner or go into business with their buddy, right? But making sure it makes sense from a business perspective, way more important than if it makes sense from a personal perspective. A hundred percent. Well, let's jump into the next thing. When you start hiring, or even if you haven't started hiring, data is a key part to scaling and actually getting your business from point A to point B. You want to kind of break it down what they talked about? Yeah. So it, and, and real quick, the whole core component of, of data, all businesses run on data, right? If you don't have any data, you, you don't know what's happening in your business. You're not able to get a pulse on your business and you have no idea what the next step in your business is going to be, right? So uh, they've got a, a phrase here I'll, I'll read real quick too. They say, what gets measured gets managed. If you're not measuring it, paying attention to it, it's not being managed. It, it's out there in the open, right? The first thing they talk about is a scorecard. Yeah. And that's basically a tool in the, in the EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, that's used to track a handful of numbers that give you exactly that, a pulse on your business and give you the ability to observe the present performance. The thing we were talking about before we start this podcast, this has been hammered into us since we started in the real estate industry is one, okay, how many people are you talking to? How many leads are you getting? How many appointments are you going on? How many contracts are you writing? How many contracts are you getting signed? How many deals are you closing? Being able to track all of those things is going to be essential to somebody in the real estate business. And I want to say that the scorecard, people call it a lot of things like key performance indicators, KPIs, a lot of different stuff. So you can call it whatever you want. The key here is the thought process of being able to track the exact measurables. And these are, these are important because you can't have lagging indicators. Lagging indicators would be revenue, you know, or your PL at the end of the year or things of that sort. At that point, it's in the past and the past is past. You can't change that. What we're looking for is leading indicators. Where is the business going? So all those things that you just mentioned are leading indicators. They're giving us an idea of if you talk to this many leads, we can expect this much money from our conversion ratio down the line. We're not looking at how much money did I make this month? because that is a performance from three months ago, six months ago. Yeah, all of these are tangible measurables, right? They're, they are hard numbers that you can go back, look at, review it in real time. If you're sitting there going, man, I my business is slow. I haven't closed a deal in a while. You know what, what could be going on? The first thing that you should go and check is how many people have you been talking to? How many people were you talking to three months ago? How many contracts have you written in the past 30, 60, 90 days, right? Because it, those are like the top of the funnel, right? And then it gets here and here and here. If you're not talking to enough people, all of this stuff down here and your closed deals, uh, they're going to reflect that. Right. And the other key is like, so the way that we moved to pipe drive, we did a whole episode about moving CRMs. Part of what got us to pipe drive is that they have a lot of indicators they have a whole section of the CRM that tracks data. So on a weekly basis, our team goes through, we can see which people are bringing in which leads, 
how many of the people or how many people are they talking to? So each delegated by person. So we can see how many people did Cade talk to? How many did Scott talk to? How many did Colin talk to? Kevin talk to? Then it, so it shows how many made it into the offers section, how many were lost, how many were then moved into offers accepted, how many were converted, how many leads that came in were immediately delegated, not a lead and deleted. We can see all those indicators which for us allow us to make decisions about what is our income going to look like in three to six months. And then when there's all this talk about stuff going on in the market, we are noticing here's what we see in our business. We don't have to worry about the macroeconomics. Absolutely. And this can be an overwhelming, uh, an overwhelming task for somebody new in the business. And people are telling you to track, track these numbers. Right. And, and let me emphasize these are going to be the same yet. You're going to be doing something similar, no matter what type of business you're in, no matter what type of business owner you are. Right. So you mentioned our episode on the importance of a CRM, right? A CRM is a great tool to help you track these numbers. If you're starting out and you can't put a significant amount of money in, into a CRM yet, something that's free that we've used before. We know people have used before Google sheets, right? Just keep track of all of your data and your activities because just like we mentioned, without those measurables, without the data, it, you're like a headless chicken just, just running around not knowing what to do and where you're going. Yeah. No, and I'm with you. And so let's talk. Each person in the business should have a measurable or a number, right? This is because the human brain focuses on whatever you put in front of it. So if you and I were to sit down and you and I were to talk and we said, we need to have four escrows this month. That's our goal. It, it simplifies our entire job. Whatever we have to do to get to four escrows, that's what we're doing. Say for maybe a caller, you have to hit 200 contacts a day. That's their number now. It gives something that's measurable and motivating. There's like a, there's a line to hit, right? That plays a big part. And it also allows people to work in teamwork. Like if you're sitting there and you need to hit four escrows and you're close, but not quite there, well, maybe there's scripting that we can do. Maybe there's like, hey, can you take a look at this deal real quick and see if I'm missing something? Stuff of that sort. It just gives you an opportunity to then be able to measure easily how you're performing. You don't lie to yourself when there's a simple measurable. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll lead us into the next one is talking about your issues. And again, tying it into what we just talked about issues usually pop up when there's a problem with your data, a problem with your measurables, right? So being able to strengthen your, your ability or your business's ability to identify issues, address them, and then make them go away as quick as possible so that they don't happen again in the future. Right. Right. It is going to be essential. And they break down, you know, uh, some good tools on how to solve your issue, multiple issues, right? The first being being able to identify the highest priority issue. So you may be facing a couple issues in your business, right? But being able to identify and, and mark it as a highest priority and then figure out its root cause or causes is going to be especially important, right? Being able to prioritize your issues and then work backwards from there. Right. And additionally, sometimes when you solve the highest priority issue, it actually relinquishes some of the other issues. So identification is key. In the vision, you notice that they talk about all this other good stuff, 
The only thing bad that they talk about is issues. And then they just leave it at that. They just identify the issues. They are not solving them right then. But there's a process to actually solving them. The next step is actually discussing it. So once it's been identified and you know what the actual problem is, not the symptom, what the problem is, then your team, and if you're a solopreneur, you maybe go to other mentors or other people you know, and you discuss it. That doesn't mean you repeat your point. That was a key thing. Repetition is pol is politicking. You don't repeat your point over and over and over. You have a discussion. Option ones, option two, option three, option four. That's it. And then you make a decision and you live with the decision and you see if that solves the problem. And if it doesn't, it will come back up on your issues list down the road. Yep. And you made another really great point too. Being able to tap into your network, mentors, people who have been in your spot already they have identified, experienced, and solved, in most cases, the same exact issue or issues you may be experiencing now, which is why it's so important to have that mentor or have that coach, um, somebody who is doing what you want to be doing at a high level, because chances are 99.9%, .9%, if not 100%, they experienced the same exact issues when they were in your spot and know a quicker, faster, and more efficient way to solve it than you may not know how to, right? Right. And you got to understand that like, you don't reinvent the wheel. You know, It's not like you have to come up with your own idea to be a business owner. What we're saying here is that the key here is identify, discuss, solve. You can't go in a different order. First, pick the issue, figure out what the root is, then go through talking about solutions. Don't lead with, hey, we're going to talk about this issue, blah, 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 without thinking through. Is this the most important issue to be talking about right now? And then spend your time, get to a solution and then put it away. Don't let it fester. It seems like a lot of people leave issues in their business for like years and then, oh, it was so hard to solve, so hard to solve. No, you didn't spend the time to actually identify what the core problem was. You just looked at the symptoms. Yep. And while talking about step by step, right, the next thing we're talking about is process, processes, right? Being able to, you know, syst uh, what do we got here? Systemize your business right? Being able to one, identify and document all of your core processes that go into how your business runs, right? Right. Now in our real estate space, right? Some of our processes that we do on a daily basis, how do you go and pull new data? How do you put that data now into whatever tool or platform or marketing channel you're using? Call it direct mail, texting or calling, right? How do you go and run comps? How do you prepare a contract to be signed? What information goes into these things? And as you get further along in this business, I know, you know, we've experienced it before. All those things become second nature, right? So when it comes time to start delegating things in your business and you don't have a process or a manual or a training video or some sort of system that you can fall back on to help your new person now do that same task, it's gonna be extremely difficult for them. We think about going back to the very, when we first started in real estate, running comps was a daunting thing. We had no idea how to run comps, right? But now it's second nature. And sometimes you can forget as a solopreneur and, you, and, and you're starting to bring on, you know, virtual assistants or an employee or something. It's important to keep in mind that when you're training, you've got to have processes you can fall back on to help that person do it quickly, efficiently, and learn it even quicker than we did. Right. right. 
Um, they talk about in this section of the book the that businesses typically get built up by three to seven uh, main processes. The most common, I think, for our listeners are going to be the marketing and sales, operations, and business administration processes. It's key that everybody on your team calls in the same things so that there's no issues on communication. If you don't have a team yet, it's it is very important that you start thinking about how you do each step because if you hate the accounting part, which I hate, I hate the back end of my business, the tracking all of our financials, making sure our PL is up to date, all that, then you need to document how it needs to be done so that the second your business can financially afford to do it, you can hire the right person to that spot and they can immediately be clicked in to some kind of a user manual or documented process that is step-by-step, -step, that is named and it is how the, like, for example, the Pharaoh real estate way, you know, it is the exact way that we do it. Right. And that way might change, but it will be documented. And then that will be the new standard. Right. So the first step would be to document everything. And part of that is labeling everything. Yeah. And it's funny because we were both in an assistant role before and when you are systematizing these processes and and putting all of these these things together, I'll mention really quickly, even the most minute detail that goes into that process, we cover in both written form and video form, right? Even if it's as simple as move your mouse to the search bar and type in www.whatever, right? Because these things are being delegated to an employee or a virtual assistant who you know, you can't just walk into the office and see and, and show them how to do it right there in person, right? So being able to cover and systematize even the most minute steps that go into one of these processes is really important. Yeah. After you've identified your core processes, you have documented and simplified them. The last step is training everybody. You have to make sure that you have it documented in a way that is understandable and distributable. So some companies do a handbook. For example, we have a shared drive that when you get clicked into our team, you get set into the drive. The drive has training videos and you go through. Each one has a process. The process has sub processes and each sub process has a video and a written form document. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap up our very last step in yeah. the EOS. Yes, it's our sir. title of the book. It's traction. And again, I'm going to read the book's definition here for you guys. So traction, the ability for business leaders to execute well, and they know how to bring focus, accountability, and discipline to their organization, right? So we're talking about really the, the headline of the book here. And then we've got a few things that go into traction itself, right? The first being, we already talked about quarterly rocks, right? So rocks being the three to seven most important things You've got to get done in, you know, first, second, third, or fourth quarter, whatever quarter you're in. Yeah. Well, let's explain why they call them rocks. The example is uh, if you had a jar and you had uh, water, sand, gravel, and uh, rocks, and you had to fill up the jar, the worst way you could do it is start with water, then pour the sand in, then pour the gravel in, and then pour the rocks in on top. It won't all fit because you've already created layers below the rocks. And once the rocks hit there, there's already going to be a certain amount of the jar that's filled. The key here is in your business, you have similar issues. You've got little things and you've got big things. 
start by identifying what your big things are. So you pour your rocks into the jar. Then underneath the rocks, there's gravel. There are processes to the rocks or subparts to the rock. They fill in the gaps, right? Then you pour in the sand. That's your, maybe your daily tasks, the things that you know actually kind of fill up your day, the conversations, the whatever, right? That fills in the gaps, the gaps even more. And then lastly, you have the water, which is just going to be the stuff that you kind of need to avoid, the things that are distractions. At that point, all of it fits in the same jar, but in a different order would not fit in the jar. Yeah, I know. It, it's funny because I'm sure many of you out there listening or, or watching, it, we've seen an example of that before, exactly what you've said, right? Whether it's on TikTok or w- wherever it is. But I think the jar analogy is just so good, especially it, it matters what those rocks are and what order you are putting these things in. Because like you said, if you're doing it in the wrong order or backwards order, everything's not going to fit in the jar. Yeah, everybody has the same amount of hours in a day. So if you see somebody crushing it, it's because they focused on their rocks first and then they filled it in with gravel, sand, and water. And maybe you're going in a different order, right? Yep, absolutely. So the rocks, again, they're the three to seven most important steps. So when you're working in your business, you should have identified what you're working on this quarter and you should be prioritizing that in your calendar and in your business activities. Yep, absolutely. So now let's talk about a word that a lot of people dread or may have a love-hate relationship with is meetings, right? Especially those of you out there who have had experience in a, a nine-to-five or, or a traditional non-entrepreneurial job. Meetings can be the word that you absolutely dread, right? Rocket Fuel talked about it a little bit. Traction goes even further on what types of meetings you should be having, what things you should be talking about in each of those meetings, and the importance of each of those meetings, right? Not, not filling meetings with fluff like 99% of them are, right? But being able to, one, uh, the first term they use is meeting pulse, right? 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 A pulse on your meetings. And being able to hold meetings that are consistent and effective to increase the traction communication and accountability all in your business, right? There's got to be an overarching purpose to the meeting. You should not be holding meetings just to hold a meeting, mm-hmm. which a lot of me, a lot that of meetings. That seems to be <laughs> it a lot of the time. It is the common theme with a lot of meetings. Well, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but the level 10 meeting is the, is the meeting pulse, right? So we implemented it when we read Rocket Fuel. Mm-hmm. The way that we've structured it, and it's similar to how they have it here, is that our weekly level 10 meeting is every Tuesday at 8 a.m. We sit down, Kate and I, and we talk about how's everything going. We start a little bit with personal because it's key for our relationship as business, uh, you know, as business owners to hear like, hey, dude, what are you struggling with personally? What are you dealing with? What's going good? What's not? And then we jump into transactions and uh, follow up. So, hey, how are you doing in your business? What are your key performance indicators? What is, you know, what's your scorecard look like essentially? Then you go into the rock review, which is, hey, how are you doing in accordance to uh, the, the big goals that you set? We have a, also a monthly meeting, but in our weekly meeting, we're talking about, hey, how are things going on for selling these properties that we said we were going to sell this year? How are we doing on this? How are we doing on that? You know, Each week, we're touching base on stuff. It's a very structured meeting, and it, we go in the same order almost every week. And I would say it keeps communication moving, and it keeps all of our balls on the other side of the court. So that way, whenever a ball comes back to us, we can immediately return it to the other party 
with whatever answer or you know task they needed done. And as a solopreneur, you might be asking yourself, how am I going to hold a meeting like by, by myself? How what what should I be doing if it's just by myself? One, being able to find some sort of accountability partner is an option. You know, we are business partners, but we're also accountability partners, right? But you can still sit down and have this pulse or or level 10 meeting by yourself. That way you're able to get a pulse on your business. You can still sit down and review these numbers, review your metrics, right? Review your tangible measurables, right? To get a pulse on your business. You can still do that by yourself. And I think it's important to do that even if you are a solopreneur and don't have anybody else on your team. Right. So after you hit your weekly meetings, you have quarterly meetings. And quarterly meetings are reviewing bigger things like, did you hit your rocks? And your rocks need to be yes or no. It's not, hey, we got close to it or we got this, far, this there, or the other. Yes or no. You don't have to be perfect. I, it talks about that in the book. You don't have to hit 100% of your rocks. That's a perfectionist mindset. To be truly great, you need to hit 80%. So if you're a solopreneur and you had three, you need to try to at least hit your two. That will get you to 60%, but shoot as best as you can to hit three. Every other quarter, you should be hitting all three in order to hit that 80% rule, right? Yep. And even after quarterly, you've got the annual meeting, right? And the the book mentions that this meeting should be off-site. So it, if you have a team or, or team members, right, this should be out of the office, not, not in the workspace, right? And, and the main purpose of an annual meeting really should just be to foster the relationships with you and anybody else who's a key part of your business, right? Being able to review, reflect, and improve the vision of your company, and then also just plan for the upcoming year. So we've got our level 10, we implement our monthly, but then the book also talks about quarterly and then your annual meetings. Yeah. All to push through your traction in your business. And we hold a couple different meetings throughout the week too, because we have a we have a level 10 meeting, we have a leads catch up meeting or a lead sync meeting where our team meets to talk about any active leads that we're following up on to make sure everybody's on the same page. And then we have a Friday business meeting, which goes through all of our KPIs again. And it also tracks a lot more uh, of our backend data. Yep. So overall, we think that the meeting structure works well. One of the keys that we've implemented, and I think this is key, if you're running a business, if you have anybody working for you or you're working for somebody, when you set a meeting timeline, do not go over your meeting timeline unless absolutely necessary. You and I and our team, we show up to meetings on time because we know that if it's a 9 to 10 meeting, we are going to be done at 10 o'clock. If, if not before. If not before. And we, if we see that something is getting off track, we bring it up and we just say, hey, that needs to be tabled. We are getting completely sideways. Or we'll say, hey, that's a tangent. That could be set up on a private meeting between two parties if that's something that they need to talk about. Or it could be an email. That is it. If you set up a meeting, keep a structure. Because many of us have been in that spot where you are in a meeting. Somebody is going on and on and on. It was supposed to be a 9 to 10 meeting, but now it's 10, 15. You're three quarters of the way checked out of the meeting, right? Nobody likes when meetings go late. So keep your meetings on time. Make sure they have a purpose. Keep them on track for your visions and your goals in the business. And that way they're moving you along and helping you with that vision. Yeah. Well, this has been a really good episode following up our book series on business books to listen to. The next book we're going to be going over is going to be actually much more of another manual 
about habit setting. You know, as the market's shifting, as people are doing different things, it's key that your habits are locked in and building good habits and getting rid of bad habits are going to be a big part of that. So tune in in a couple more weeks. I think it's going to be about four weeks from this episode when we post that. And uh, we appreciate you guys joining us on another episode of the Pursuit of Property podcast. (laughs) 